Welcome everybody to the Nerd Pool Podcast, the podcast where we talk pop culture, pro wrestling, and everything else that's on my mind. So sit back, grab your snack, and listen in as I rant and rave about everything we know and love. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of the Nerd Pool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me. Yes, it's me. It's J-M-I-E, your 7,987th favorite podcast host. And as always, your Sherpa down the road of nerdiness. And today I'm doing a movie review of the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that was just released on Netflix. I'm a big fan of this series, so let's see how it plays out. But before we do that, I'm going to talk about my uh, little foray into going to see uh, Fluffy. The comedian Gabriel Iglesias came to my town. It was my first time seeing him. He's in a big arena, back on tour again. Uh, if you've never seen Gabriel Iglesias before, he is on Netflix. Pretty much every special he's done is on Netflix. He is a very funny uh, comedian. He's a very funny Latino comedian, very funny fat comedian. He's a little, he's family friendly. I mean, he might say a few curse words every now and then. But um, if you're wanting me to give away any of his jokes, I'm not going to do that. Um, he has a new special he's working for material on, so that'll be coming out sometime probably in the next year. So you'll just have to wait and see, but just to let you know that if any of this, any of what he did at the show made it in, it's going to be funny, as he always is. Um, the arena was not sold out, but there was a huge, huge crowd. A lot of people are jumping back into going to events now um, post-COVID. They, you know, kind of joked about it, you know, the mask versus uh, people who aren't masked and stuff like that. They don't get too political there. His opening act was his buddy Martin. If you ever seen this candidate kind of special, you know what that is, who he is. He seems to be the devil on his shoulder, you know, the one that always seems to get him in trouble. Um, he's a very fun comedian. He's dirtier than Gabriel Iglesias is. You know, he his jokes are a little bit more adult-oriented at times. He doesn't go overboard. He's not just completely, in, you know, insane with the... Um, F-bombs or cursing or even sexual innuendos. Uh, the the entire show was great. Gable Iglesias went on for three hours. And I, the show, actual show, uh, what he was working on probably was about an hour, maybe hour and a half. And then for the rest of the time, it was just him having a good time, chit-chatting with us, telling stories, still doing bits, while at the same time kind of interacting with people. There was an older guy in the front row who, for some reason, brought a sign that Gabriel didn't care for much, and it was kind of the whole thing. Like, he never, he, he singled him out after he saw the sign. He kind of laid into him a bit, as a comedian does, and they made up in their own little special ways. Um, him joking about people getting to their seats, walking across was funny. The issue I had with the entire show was nothing to do with the show. The show was great. It was hilarious. The issue I had was people. I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not the one that usually wants to complain. The only issues I had with this was the people behind me. The reason I had issue with the people behind me is because it was a couple and the girl didn't seem like she wanted to be there. She talked and talked and talked and added commentary to every joke. And she had that, oh my God, type voice. You know, oh, I speak for all the girls. At one point he said that he's like, I can't speak for her. Or he goes, I'm going to speak for all the men. She goes, I speak for all the girls. Nobody cares. He was telling a story about his dogs, you know, as they all do following us to the bathroom. 
and he's like, you know, he was pooping, and the dogs, he finally lets the dogs in, and the dogs are freaking, or, you know, freaking out because of the smell, and she goes, not my dog, my dog is classy. What the fuck does that mean? She got in trouble for recording because at Gabriel's show, he tells you twice before the show starts to not record because he, again, is working on new material. He doesn't want it out there. He wants to fine-tune it before a special. And Martine said it best when he actually brought it up. He said, you know, we're always in our phones, and it's become a big thing in the world to be on your phone constantly, you know, Twittering and tweeting and TikToking and making videos and taking selfies. He said, for the next few hours, let's just enjoy the moment. And that's what I wanted to do. I'm not a huge picture taker anyway. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that. But sometimes you just need to be in the moment. You need to enjoy the moment. Make the memory of being there. And that's what he wanted to do. She was taking video, almost got thrown out, and I was actually hoping they did throw her out. Finally, they got up and left. She was annoying. I don't know who she was, uh, but her commentary was just driving me insane i'm there to have a good time i'm there to laugh i'm there to enjoy myself and not listen to you complain because you i guess don't want to be there so if you go to these type of shows and you if you don't want to go to these shows don't go if uh you know if if somebody buys you tickets and you're like i don't want to go just tell them you don't want to go or if you go shut up nobody wants to listen to you talk and commentate on what the comedian is saying or what the performer is saying. I'm there to listen to them. I'm not there to listen to you complain. And I know that some people are like, well, they pay their ticket. They can do what they want. Yes, but you're ruining it for the rest of us around you. You're, you're making it harder. I'm laughing. I'm trying to enjoy his stories and just live in the moment of seeing this comedian who I've enjoyed for years, finally getting to see him. And you're just discussing, constantly talking and just commentating on everything he says but i will tell you this if gabriel glacius is coming to your town um especially with this tour the beyond fluffy tour go see him you will not be uh, disappointed as always he is very funny he is hilarious and his new stuff he's working on is fantastic it, you know he is always hilarious he's always funny and if if you like his style of comedy, you're gonna enjoy this show. And I can't wait for his new special to come out. He, um, I think, has made a memory for Memphis and memory for me because I've seen a few comedy shows in my day, and he is up there with one of the best that I've seen. He's still not topping Ralphie May. I'm sorry, Ralphie May is is just my favorite comedian of all time, and I got to see him twice. And rest in peace to that legend. Uh, I don't think anything's gonna top him. But now that we got that out of the way. Let's jump into why you're all here is to hear me talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Starring one of the most iconic um, killers in horror history. You know, you have your Jasons, your Freddy Kruegers, your Pinheads, you have your Michael Myers, and with them is Leatherface. The entire franchise started in 1974 with a film directed by Toby Hooper. Uh, it became a instant cult classic. It was psychological. It skimped on the gore because they were trying to get a, a rating for people to be able to see it. There isn't actually a lot of blood. There's a lot of implied uh, blood and gore and massacre. And people to this day will swear it's one of the most violent films ever seen. But when you watch it, there's actually not a lot 
of gore in it. That's the psychological nature of the film and why it is so good. We got a sequel in 1986, directed by Toby Hooper. Then in 1990, we had Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. We had Texas Chainsaw 4, 95, starring Matthew McConaughey. It took us till 2003 to get a remake when they rebooted it in 2003, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then three years later, they did a prequel to that one in The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning. In January 2013, we got Texas Chainsaw 3D, which was a direct sequel to the original one, which discontinued the entire uh, from 2, 3, and 4. It just ignored those films, and this was a direct sequel to the 74 film. Then in 2017, we got Leatherface, which was a prequel to the original 1974 film. And this one in 2022 is, again, a direct sequel to the original 1974 film, just foregoing all of that. So let's let's get this straight. You have had two sequels to the 1974 film that are a continuation of the 1974 film, but are not connected. Texas Chainsaw 3D and this one were both supposed to be direct sequels that continued the story. They're by different directors, different writers, and different actors. But yeah, they're supposed to be sequels. You see when this starts getting confusing, it's the same thing that happened with Halloween when you had Halloween 2, but not Halloween 2 for Rob Zombie or Halloween 2 when it just came. This is how it is. Now, this one is the Halloween uh, kills and the Halloween 2017 of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. As this, we have the returning Sally, who was the original heroine that uh, was survived the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre after all of her friends died. You might remember if you've seen the film, the last image is her covered in blood, laughing hysterically in the back of a truck as it drives away and leather faces swinging a chainsaw around. She returns in this one as that character, and she has become... Let's get this out of the way right now. Spoilers. Spoilers are coming. You know how I am. I sometimes forget to say it, but if I'm reviewing a movie, I'm going to spoil it. So if you haven't seen the film, here we go. She returns, and after the events of the first film, Leatherface has disappeared. They cannot find him. They don't know who it is. They have hunted this man for 40 years, 50 years, however long it's been, which let me get this out of the way right now. It makes no sense in the timeline. Let's say that Leatherface is 20 in his 20s in the original 1974 film. That would put him in his 70s today. Okay, and he would look like he was older than 20 in the original film. So the timeline for this does not add up at all. It, it makes no sense as far as that timeline is concerned. However, that's splitting hairs. Sally has become a Texas Ranger as her entire life has been hunting the psycho killer that killed her friends and her brother. The family's dead. He's the only one surviving. And pretty much that all goes out the window here. This film uh, revolves around a group of influencers on inter on the internet, uh, young Gen Zers, millennials, whatever, that are taking over a small Texas town of Harlow. They're going to you know renovate it. They're going to make it special. They're going to make it where it's not violent. They're getting away from the big city to move to a small town to make it into a big city because that's what they do. I don't understand why you complain about living in a big city, move to a small town, and you're bringing all these people to renovate it and make it into a big city in a small... 
it's dumb. The story in this film is completely just bare bones basic. It lacks substance. It lacks any real driving plot. It lacks any character development. There's a lot of characters they try to get you invested in in a short 83 minute uh, run runtime that you never really have time to digest these characters or care about any of these characters. And to be honest, most of the characters in this film are so unlikable that you end up rooting for Leatherface to be, you know, to win. You want him to win because it these characters are just so unlikable. There's a lot of social commentary. There's a lot of jokes about social commentary. And while I don't get into it, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not doing politics. It's just, it's annoying. One of the worst lines in this entire film is when Leatherface is on a bus with a chainsaw, covered in blood, wearing someone else's face, and they're videotaping him. It's in the trailers. And a guy goes, if you try anything, you're going to be canceled, bro. He's got a chainsaw. He's covered in blood. He's wearing someone else's face. You don't know who he is. I don't think canceling is going to be what he's worried about. I don't think he's going to be like, oh my God, I'm going to be canceled. I need to stop. And he pretends to slice up the entire thing. But this revolves around... Um, apparently after the events of the first one, he has moved into a orphanage with a woman who's running an orphanage as these teens show up in town. Uh, we go to a gas station, like in the original, it's a little homage as they're buying stuff, maybe going to the town of Harlow. You see that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre has become like a, a tourist thing. There's t-shirts, there's keychains, there's water, uh, wine openers. There's this, all this memorabilia basically celebrating these murders. It's become a big thing. We get the John uh, Lorquette opening as he narrates the, you know, a documentary on the television you get to hear in 1974. He goes through this whole spiel, as he did in the original one, which is a nice little homage to the original. And the first four characters we meet, um, pretty much two of them are douches. They just are. One of them is kind of quiet. We find out her story later of surviving a school shooting, which is another social commentary they put into it. And it, it, they kind of shoehorn that in to try to give her, I guess, a strength plot. Um, her sister's a dick. Her sister is, you know, a guy pulls up to get gas. She's talking shit about the guy right there where he can hear it. And he's like, I'm sorry, we got wild boars here. She's talking about his gun. Talking about having a little dick energy because of it. She's a dick. The, the the main character, the main male in the character, Dante, is an asshole who I guess is just entitled. He thinks he's bought everything. We find out the orphanage when they go to. The orphanage is still occupied by a woman and the last remaining uh, kid that she's raised. And that kid turns out to be Leatherface. He's talking about how he owns the building, and she says, no, that was squared up. And he says, show me the title. She says, I don't have to show you anything. Bruhaha happens. She ends up dying because of this, because of the stress that all this has put on to her. And that's when Leatherface snaps because his mama is now dead. Now, maybe she became a surrogate mother that took care of him. Maybe that's what this is. But the way it goes originally is he had his brothers that were with him. The the cook, which I always thought was his dad, wasn't his dad. It was his it ended up being his brother. Then you had grandpa. Grandma was upstairs dead. There was no other women. I don't know where this woman come from. I guess she might have took him in from an orphanage. Maybe it was a surrogate mother. So they just needed they needed somebody to die to set him off. 
as she died, he cuts her face off, puts it on, and that's when he becomes Leatherface. Since the first Leatherface movie, they really have not made a good Leatherface mask. All of them look as prosthetics, as makeup has gotten better over time. Yes, it can look more realistic, I guess, in a certain sense, but the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the mask he made looked like it was old, like the skin had decayed. It looked like a, a, a psychopath that actually made it. These are all looking like legitimate movie studio props uh, artists are making the are the ones making the the mask. They don't look like something that somebody would make in their garage just cutting someone's face off. And I know that that's a little, you know, that's just a little thing that you complain about, but, you know, it, it just, it adds to it. That, that the, the leather face uh, from the original Gunnar Hansen, the, the mask he wore, just had that creep factor to it. And comparing that, this, that entire story to this story, it's apples and oranges. Again, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was so psychologically damaging. It, it just it, it hits you in the gut. It hits you with a lot of things that made you think, made you see things that weren't there. It was truly a a gritty, down to earth, independent type of film that hits you where where it hurt. It hits you in your mind, and it made you feel. Um, things that the characters did that didn't really happen to them, but you left thinking that you had just seen this complete gore fest when there's very little blood in the film, like I said. Nowadays, it seems like it's hard to create that type of film. We have become so desensitized in horror because they have upped the ante so much. Everybody keeps upping the ante that now writing a film like that is almost impossible. You have to rely mainly on just gory... What How... How gory can you make the kills? How violent can you make the kills? How violent can you make the killer? And it takes away the substance. This film lacks a lot of depth in the storyline. It said trades it for straight up gore. Is that bad? That's up to you. That's up to people to decide. Some people like just gory horror films. Some people like more story driven. Me, I'm somewhere in the middle. You can have gore, but I need a, a story that goes around with it. The story is basic. The story is really not that well done again the characters aren't developed that well and it relies way too heavy on the the killing and the kills to push the story along the hero of the film that you think you're going to see is the guy that she was making fun of at the gas station he ends up being a guy who lives in the town that's basically helping them renovate the town that she didn't know about you think he's going to be the one to kind of help them survive he gets ganked quick, which is it, it's strange. Pretty much everybody in this film, it's bam, bam, done. There's a lot of times in this film where people get shot and killed or stabbed or cut or chopped in half or whatever, and they're dead, and then they wake up just out of the blue just to kind of move because the, they have to move a story plot along. Um, there's a they're, When they're having a party because they've... They're renovating the town. They're having the party with all the investors and the people and the influencers that are there. They're going to move into the town. It starts raining, and it's a bright, sunny day in Texas. It starts raining, and all of a sudden, it's night. It's dead of night. The transition right there is terrible. The dialogue isn't great. The story isn't great. The kills are, are what they are. But, I mean, as far as a, a sequel to 
in, in the franchise. As far as looking at it in the whole of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, this is probably the best you could do with a sequel. It's a little too much like they were trying to shoehorn in the Halloween Kills with Laurie Strode. They wanted to do that with Sally. Um, that's not going to happen. When you see the film, you'll see that she gets ganked at the end. That that seems to be where they wanted to go with it. That sets This sets up another sequel which they can do because these films, people are going to watch them. No matter how many come out, they always have people watch them because it's 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 one of them legacy films. No matter what people do, no matter how bad the last one was, they're always going to have people that watch these films. Again, the, the, the kills are what drive this film. The story isn't great, but as far as being a sequel, it's probably the best you can do with what you're given at this time. Coming up with a new... A story for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series that involves a psychological aspect is is going to be hard. Continuing from that original is going to be hard. They rely heavily on chainsaws now, and you know, man, I understand that that's in the type of the the title of the film. But if you watch the original, the chainsaw wasn't the biggest aspect of it. It was basically him hammering people, killing them like you would kill a cattle or a cow at a slaughterhouse. That was the whole aspect. The chainsaw was just a small part at the end of the movie that added to it. They did that because the story just, the name of that is what draw, drew you in. And now they rely too heavy on chainsaws cutting through. Speaking of chainsaws, for some reason, Leatherface's chainsaw was hidden in a wall. Don't know why. He had to get, he got it out when he did it. Uh, he, this chainsaw to be hidden in a wall, he had to get it fixed to make it come on. And it is the sharpest chainsaw in history. He's running through the floorboards, and I understand wood can be old, but he's hitting joists in the wood, and it's just going through it like a knife through butter. It's cutting through people without any kind of resistance. It's just that I could I just hit gun, and you're going through. Now, I have chainsaws. None of them are that sharp. I've sharpened them. None of them are that sharp. I don't know how where, what he does to sharpen his chainsaws or what kind of chainsaws these are, but they cut through anything with Every kind of obstruction you put in front of it, it's just a hot knife through butter. Leatherface gets shot multiple times. He gets stabbed multiple times and survives. He's another one of these killers that seem like they can't die. If you like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series, you're going to... This film, I mean, you'll watch it. You'll probably complain about it like you have the past ones. But as a continuation in the story and the franchise, it is what it is. You know, you, you can't really do much with the story from the 70s. Most of the actors and um, characters that were portrayed in that have passed on, unfortunately. So, they can't reprise roles. You can't really update. You can recast, but they're never going to have that same draw or the same look or even the same voice, the same cadence that they speak with. It, it, it's just that's what it is. Continuing a film uh, from the 70s, you know, in 2022... It's, it's a hard act to put up. It's really hard to do, especially when you had a cast that, that the characters in the entire film, of the original ones, those characters were a big part of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It wasn't just Leatherface. It was his entire family. They don't really get into the family. They don't explain where the woman that he was living with came from, why she came to take control of him, was she a part of the family. Um, if you were going to do, do another Texas Chainsaw Honestly, you could have done with remaking it. It was 20, 2003, 2006 for the last time we did a reboot. I know people hate reboots. This seemed like they were trying to reboot it, but still connected to the original story. Just reboot it. 
just just give it a complete reboot give it a complete you know name new name or you know keep the name keep a completely new story like he did before because i really think the remakes were, were good in that aspect they're like okay we can't continue this story but let's change the story and let's make the story our own while keeping the same name and they did a good job with it while keeping while it was a little gory there they also kind of kept you into the same um they kept you in the same mindset of the original. They kept you in the same genre of the original. These have just become gore fest, and the last few ones have just not been good. Continuing this story is hard, but I mean, it's again, it's Leatherface. It's it's a property that people are going to see, people are going to watch. Netflix needs content. Netflix bought it. Netflix put it out, and it's getting a lot of talk right now. People are saying, "Oh, well, I hate it. It's stupid. It's horrible." But a lot of these times, films like this that are that you consider really bad end up being cult classics and people watch them over and over. I guarantee people are going to watch this multiple times just to talk about how bad it is. And the more times you watch it, the more money it makes for Netflix, the more it keeps going. So it doesn't matter. A film can be terrible like this, but if you keep watching it, it's going to keep making them money and keep making keep making them and persuading them to do more. I hope they make another one. I hope we can get someone who can write that story that kind of captures the essence of the original uh, the last few haven't. This one didn't. This one is not great. But again, none of them have really been great. The the two um, reboots were probably the best in the series. I prefer. I love all the Texas Chainsaw Massacres. Only one that really bothers me was the prequel Leatherface. That's for a whole different reason. While this story isn't good, again, in the genre of it fits. It kind of fits that whole aspect of every sequel not being great and just going from dark comedies to having nothing to do with the original to the fourth one having nothing to do with the third one which had nothing to do with the original to the remakes having nothing to do with the original to the sequel to the original having nothing to do with the rest of the films the prequel to the original and then this one which is a sequel to the original too go watch the film make up your own mind about Leatherface make up your own mind about the new Texas Chainsaw Massacres um, again if you like just violent kills and horror then that's what you're going to get here. They rely a lot on jump scares. They rely a lot on the kills to, again, move the plot along. Along, um, They do a lot of homages to the original film uh, with the house, the orphanage, having the same setup as the living room or the living quarters of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's little homages on pictures and the things people say and little set designs that give you homages to the original so they try to incorporate some of that for fans to catch so if you're a fan of the original like i am watch and try to see if you can catch them all and see if you can figure out where all the references are the the story and all that uh that's going to be it for this week again i can't tell you it's a good film i can't tell you it's a terrible film it's not the worst in the series of this but thank you all for listening thank you all for subscribing Thank you all for everything you do. Um, if wherever you get your podcast, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, leave me a review, leave me a rating. It really helps the channel out. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at NerdPool Pod. I'm on Instagram at NerdPool Podcast. I'm on Twitch at NerdPool Gaming. So until next time, avoid the chainsaws. See ya.